This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by The Underground Retrocade. You love these games, and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear the Beastie Boys on the stereo. So the next time you're in the Chicago area, and your travel companions want to go to the planetarium, or the zoo, or Navy Pier, or see that thing Americans call base ball just say no and fight for your right to play classic arcade games at the underground retrocade 121 west main street west dundee illinois I'm Carrington Vanston. And I'm Mike McGinnis. And this is No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. It is. See, that wasn't that hard. No, no. I I, I have developed this this fear of screwing up our intro since last week didn't go so well. And oh. So now I'm making Carrington do it. Muffin. <laughs> How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm excellent. I went to a concert on Monday and it was fabulous. It was a Rush concert, wasn't it? It was the only, not. That's the only band that you have in Canada, and that's they just go around and play, and all you Canadians go to Rush concerts. I'd be kind of okay with that. <laughs> but no, I saw a band called The and Double Richard Clicks. Marks. No, The Double Clicks. Do you know them? Oh, you told me about them, and I went and listened to some of their, their music, and I laughed and laughed and had a good time. I think great. Yeah, it's a pair of sisters. a bunch of their music, from, so I feel pretty Portland, good about myself. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, super, super fun. So they played yeah. here in Toronto. On Monday at a comic book store. In fact, at my local comic book store that's like two blocks away. That's the one that I go to. So it was crazy so fun to just walk up and it's like, there they are. And they're not, well, they, you know, they've got albums and they're, you know, internet-y famous sort of. But they're not like a big band. So there was maybe 50 people or so that came mm-hmm. out. But just, you know, sort of standing around in the comic book store. And <laughs> the two gals singing, one, one on cello and one on ukulele. And they're singing about dinosaurs and dungeon dragons. It was just completely amazing. They put on such a good show. That's awesome. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Just totally fabulous. So that was super fun. I saw um, MC Frontalot recently. He was here in Denver. I like him a lot too. Playing in a, a back room of a bar that's not much larger than than this room that I'm sitting in right now. And that was that pretty awesome. He's behind too. you now. <laughs> he might be. Yeah. I he's might great. be eaten he's by a Gru. That's my favorite of his songs. He has a bunch <laughs> of songs that I really like, but that one is still my favorite. Yep. He just released a new album. And if you don't have it, you should go and get it right now because it's I do have it. awesome and cool. And we'll get back to Arcade Talk now. Yeah, the stuff we like is cool. That's <laughs> and right. you're not. That's what it is. The bands I like that sing about Dungeons and & Dragons and Infocom games, they're cool. But it's only cool until everybody <laughs> everybody discovers them and they get big and then they're not cool I don't anymore. think that's going to happen <laughs> with either of these bands, which is no. disappointing because I do, I do love them both, but no. I did have him sign my uh, um, Get Lamp DVD, so that was pretty cool. But either DoubleClick signed my CD – um, I had all their music already just from download stuff, but I thought, you know, you're, you you want to support the band, and I think they kind of live on merch. So I bought their three CDs while, while I was there, basically just duplicating them. But it's nice to have the physical copies, I guess. And I had walked up to them after the show just to say, hey, thanks. You know, I, I thanks for coming to Toronto. It's nice of bands to, to make the way over the border. And just I really had fun. You guys were great. Thank you very much. But I'm holding the CDs. And so um, 
the one girl, I guess Angela, sort of just takes the CD and grabs the market and says, who should I fill it to? And I wanted to say, <laughs> I really wasn't here to ask you to sign up, but oh. okay. So it's like, okay, it's just it's so funny because I guess she just assumed I wanted them signed. Right. Like, well, no, I just wanted to come up and say thank you. <laughs> so, But now I have a signed CD anyway, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Stop autographing that stuff right now. <laughs> Stop writing on my stuff, man. <laughs> no, they were awesome. Speaking of uh, cool or potentially deadly stuff, uh, you and I have some things that we need to open. Potentially deadly. We do another podcast sent us bombs or something. <laughs> or poison. They, they could be flat bombs. No, I we got, both got I've got my puzzles. EpiPen here. I'm, you know, I've taken my anthrax pills, so... I've got nothing. Well, I have a knife and scissors. And before we podcasted, <laughs> I had to keep getting up to get stuff because I'm not really sure how to rip this open. There's lots of tape on it. Yeah. So the, the fellows over at the Broken Token podcast have sent us both a gift. You've got one. I've got one. And we have not opened them. We're going to open them now on air. I'm quite excited. I haven't opened mine yet, but I already know mine's better than yours. You don't know that. I do. Mine's maybe the most awesome. So they're flat packages. And which gives me an idea of what it might be, but I'm not going to guess. I'm just going to open. I love okay. opening stuff. As people would, who listen to my podcasts, other ones would know, uh, I love to open stuff on air. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing ever. <laughs> so shall we open them? Oh, sure. They okay, can, cool. Our, our audience can listen to things crinkling. And, yes. And, so these are my scissors. <laughs> that is the sound of my scissors. I'm going to try because there's a flappy bit. So I think I can... Think I can safely cut part of this? No, see, I had the foresight to go ahead and, and cut the tape beforehand. I didn't cheat and look, but it's so, so much tape. Oh, I'm going to try and pull mine out right now. Holy cow. Okay, I'm switching to the knife. See, I have an en- envelope and. I pulled it out. It is. Bubble wrap and tape. I've pulled out a clear piece of plastic. I suspect there's more in there's here. Nothing on it. <laughs> I've just pulled out a clear piece of plexiglass with some holes in it. <laughs> This may be some sort of thumb game, but I'm suspecting <laughs> arcade controller rather. I'm going in for more. I'm going in. I'm reaching. It's hard. I need to get my knife out again. You guys have really packed this up, dudes. I'm cutting down the side. I'm making an incision. I have something that's uh, very clearly a, a marquee but I can't see what it is because it has stuff on it. And it's flaking off. Are you kidding me? Like little tiny pieces. You're flaking. Okay, I got the other part of it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, I hold in my hands. I see that the part of the paper came off. This goes on top of the clear plexi. Uh, the clear plexi was worse for stiffening. What I have received is a Springer control panel. Oh God. <laughs> yep, me too. Best <laughs> game ever. <laughs> Oh my gosh, uh, guys. We've been punked. It's got the kick button. Punked. Broken token, you are banned. No way, man. Got a control panel. I might see if I can set this up above my, my monitor here. I don't know how to get the stuff off of mine. Awesome. Guess I'll have to deal with that later. From Video Optics Inc. So I know there's a bit of dead end here as we both kind of just stare <laughs> at our... But now I can actually read the instructions for this game. This horrible, horrible, horrible game. You broken token people. <laughs> And I also have a, a, a manila envelope. You do? I do. What's it say? This What's it say? <laughs> this is the ransom demand, I'm sure. Oh, hey, look, there's something <laughs> written in mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read mine. Mine came with a letter. 
Mine did too. Mine came with a better letter, so I'll go first. It says, Carrington, please find and close a gift from the Broken Token podcast crew. A gift inspired by and intended to immortalize the great game Springer. After Springer's glowing review in episode 92 of No Quarter, we knew you had to have this. Yes, Carrington, it's a big day for you. In fact, it's a big day for us all. You can now stand up proudly and proclaim in your that your gaming collection is complete complete i say why complete because now you possess a new old stock springer control panel overlay this is not just any overlay mind you oh no it's a rare bootleg yes carrington you read that right a bootleg springer was such a loved sought after and dare i say coveted game that it was bootlegged notice that in the center of the overlay printed proudly and prominently just below the beloved springer graphic is the logo of video optics printed as if to say you love this game and we are so proud to have ripped it off we are going to put our company name all over it Mm. video optics was a cabinet manufacturer located in my hometown of louisville kentucky it's a shame they are no longer with us having produced such stellar titles i can only assume they closed due to poor management of what had to have been truckloads of profits carrington please accept this gift from the broken token podcast i'm sure that i speak for whitney when i say there's no better place in the world for this piece of arcade history than anywhere outside the borders of the state of kentucky or well outside the u.s as a whole your friend in podcasting brent griffith nice letter nice gift totally awesome brent so what'd you get, Mike? I got a letter too, near, near. Is it as good as mine? It's better. Want to read it to me? Because it's mine. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and touch it. <laughs> Don't think maybe <laughs> reading it aloud would be more sensible. Oh, <laughs> fine. Uh, Mike, please find enclosed a gift from the Broken Token podcast crew. A gift representing your dedication to assuring everyone on planet assuring everyone on planet earth can enjoy the classic game Springer. How dare you, sir? Uh, a game that inspires everyone to jump toward the sun. Speaking of the sun, Mike, hold the enclosed item up to a light source so that you can see through the protective paper covering. That's right, Mike. This is not just a, this is not just some generic piece of plexiglass you hold in your hands, a new old stock Springer marquee. As you can see, the Springer, as you can see, the marquee is emblazoned with the game's iconic images. The sun, the goal, the object of utmost desire in Springer. The rabbit wearing, for some inexplicable reason, an aviator helmet and goggles. Well, <laughs> I guess that made sense in the 80s. Most importantly, the, the inspirational tagline, hop to it. Mike, I think we'll all agree the world would be a far better place if we took the advice of Springer and would hop to it. Uh, like the control panel overlay presented Carrington, this, uh, this marquee is a bootleg. This shows the popularity of Springer as everyone wanted a piece of the action. Unlike the CPO, there is no hint of video optics of the video optics name. Surely the fine folks at video optics wish not to disrupt this timeless art with their logo. (laughs) Mike, please accept this gift from the broken token podcast. I am sure I speak for Whitney when I ask that you do not perma ban us. Oh, I'm sorry, Brett too late. (laughs) Too late. Um, You and Whitney are out. (laughs) Your friend in podcasting, Brent Griffith, you're dead to me. It's awesome. It really is. That's very cool, guys. And now I'm going to feel like crap until we like come up with something to give back to them. That's of equal coolness and awesome. Got a Springer overlay. I could send them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, was, that was super awesome. I actually have a couple of parcels that have arrived from podcasting listeners that I have to dive into as well. So people like to give us stuff, Mike. It's no, pretty people like fabulous. To give you stuff like colds. Well, there's that. And, and occasionally gifts. <laughs> and the gift of colds. So, yes, that was, that was super awesome. I liked it. 
People also like to give us the gift of feedback. We got a bunch of feedback, only some of which I know because I'm still on my new computer and the one at home I have not installed um, email on. So it's kind of refreshing. Like I come home and there's no <laughs> way to check email. I'm like, screw you world. I'm just using Twitter. And nice. I actually really like it. So I haven't been motivated to install email. So unfortunately, um, I don't have a lot of feedback, but we're going to be recording the next episode early. So that feedback won't go that stale. But I do have a few things I'd already put into the show notes, including one from Donna. She wrote to say, gentlemen, I liked the Vegas Battle episode even more than you disliked the game. Sometimes <laughs> I think your best episodes are the ones where you get a real hate going on. So maybe that's why so many listeners like to punk you with terrible game suggestions. Or maybe we're just mean. You'll never know. Anyway, as usual, I was making my way through your show notes. Oh, sorry, your show note links. I like to do that because you often send me down the most interesting rabbit holes, and this was no exception. One of your LaserDisc links led me eventually to reading about a LaserDisc called Fun and Games, which basically was like a collection of mini-games in video format. Not actual games like arcade games, but more like the kind of sing-along and play-along games from kids' TV. Brilliantly, one of the people on this disc is Bill Murray, and he performs a bunch of tongue twisters in his classic 80s, slightly odd delivery. It's really something to see, and here's a link so you can see it. And so she sent us a link to Bill Murray's tongue twisters on LaserDisc Funny Games. And then she ends by saying, keep up the great podcast. I'm a big fan of No Quarter and Double Take, and I join those and wishing you'd bring back one megahertz. The world needs more irreverent Apple II podcasting, so get on it. Thank you very much, Donna. So I watched the link. It's hilarious. Um, I'm going to make sure we put in the show notes so everybody else can see it. But it's really funny. And he's remarkably good at tongue twisters. I don't know if that's like an actor thing or whatever, but he can just rattle them off. And there's no way I could. And yet at the same time, he he seems like almost drunk doing it. <laughs> like it's that weird kind of, she's right, like that mid-80s delivery he had. So that's pretty cool. So I will link that in the, the notes of show. I will say that, uh, normally when we do negative shows or we, we rip on a game, at least one or two people write in and tell us how stupid we are and how much they hate us and they're quitting listening to the show. <laughs> we got none of that with Beggar's Battle. Not a single nope. email saying that, that we were wrong. So Nobody defended it. Yeah. This and was, we came uh, down hard on that show. Like, we, we, did. we weren't well, subtle we, about it. I, we even tried to find some positives and just uh, just couldn't. Um, I would have thought the person who recommended the game would write in saying we missed the point or something. But no, not a single person wrote to me either to say anything positive about that game at all. Uh, Todd Allendorf did write in. Uh, he said, I loved your last show. You may have hated the game, but it made for great listening. First, kudos for the random shout out to Real Genius. Oh, so good. Your throwback network brethren, Doug McCoy, and I recently discovered this in a random episode. It is, in our humble opinion, one of the greatest movies of the 80s. I, too, was saddened that Happy Madison Productions is using that movie as, as the basis of a Big Bang Theory knockoff. I always hated the expression, such and such raped my childhood. But uh, as someone who attended Caltech and worships that movie, Adam Sandler, you are seriously bad-touching my college years. <laughs> As for Beggar's Battle, I would have to agree that uh, that is probably one of the worst examples of the laser disc craze. Back in the day, sorry, Ferg, uh, different podcaster, uh, we used to refer to this misuse of a laser disc as video wallpaper. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, me too. Good. That's a perfect phrase for it. Yep. The LD footage doesn't enhance the gameplay, it merely gets in the way. I'm guessing they didn't call it uh, Vegas Battle because from a distance, people wouldn't read the apostrophe and think it was a poker game or something. Oh, yeah, oh, Vegas. Vegas. Oh, Vegas. Gotcha. Oh, nice. Oh, nice I, it never even occurred to me. 
Nice oh, catch. That's a good, nice catch. You know, uh, I bet that actually sounds really plausible. Nice. Yeah. Todd says uh, there are a few decent examples of integrating a shooter with uh, Laserdisc footage, such as Mach 3 and Us versus Them. Both are emulated in MAME, and the latter is a prime example of internationally cheesy 80s sci-fi. One of the better bits is when you win, the President of the United States personally thanks you for saving mankind and then, without missing a beat, tells you how to enter your initials. Uh, one of you said, when are we going to get back to some Williams games, by which you mean good non-Laserdisc games? Funny you should say that. The best LD game, in my not-so-humble opinion, is the Williams game Star Rider. It's a futuristic racing game. Inspired by the speeder bike chase from Return of the Jedi, Williams used a lot of custom hardware to manipulate the LD video to give the illusion of speed and steering control around the track instead of just having a sprite around a sprite slide around the CG background. Unfortunately, that custom hardware and the rarity of the game, good luck finding a working one, have left it unemulated and the holy grail of Laserdisc games. Uh, the creator of Daphne has been chipping away at the emulation for years. He is finally getting close to cracking it, so maybe he'll soon be able to play a great Williams Laserdisc game. Behold this gorgeous beast of a cabinet. And he's uh, got a link to the Arcade Museum flyer for it. Um, and he also has a link to some Us versus Them gameplay. We'll, we'll have uh, both of those in the show notes. Uh, keep up the great work, Gamma Dev. And I would just like to say, Todd, that uh, Dabney eats it. <laughs> it's funny, the video wallpaper thing, perfect, perfect word for it. Uh, I never thought of really calling it that, but that's, that's exactly right. But him bringing up Daphne reminded me that right after we recorded the last show, we realized we had forgotten to say how it was we played these games. Like a lot of times we'll play stuff on MAME if we don't have an original cabinet around. Um, and I played Beggar's Battle on Daphne. Like that's my go-to way to play Laserdisc games in emulation uh, rather than in MAME. And what about you, Mike? How did you play it? I'm sorry, play what? Beggar's Battle. I, I, I played Beggar's Battle? I'm sorry, there's this, this like blank space in my head that my, my therapist thinks I might be blocking out some horrifying, terrible trauma. But That uh, I did to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I played it in Daphne, um, played well. Enjoy, uh, I was going to say enjoyed it, but no, I did not. Um, <laughs> well, like you did. <laughs> no, it's, it's um, yeah, uh, I, I really like the way uh, Daphne um, has come along. It's, it's certainly a lot easier than it used to be to, to get set up and running now. You know, we've talked about how the latest versions do that uh, DVD check for um, um, Dragon's Lair and, and Space Ace and um, there's one or two others. But there are ways around that as well. So I mean, it's, it's, um, I think it's a really good emulation system. And especially if you don't want to, uh, you know, download the – because I think if you download the, the main CHDs, you're talking about, you know, multi-gigabytes yeah, per, per game. And they're still big for Daphne, but they're not, they're not just hard drive chewing monsters. So, And the thing is, like, the only way I'm going to want to play a Laserdisc game, so far at least, is through emulation. Because I have yet to find a Laserdisc game that I like. So there's no way I'd want an original cabinet. So maybe <laughs> if someday I play one and actually enjoy it, then that would be something I'd want to get out of emulation. But for now, it's Daphne all the way. Yep. Let's see. We also got email, or at least in my shows, tells me we got, or show notes. We got in my shows. <laughs> you know, my shows. Shows. <laughs> my shows. That's what we're showing. Um, shmups and shows. Billy wrote in to say, "I found this collection of retro video game comics from 1982/83, and immediately thought it would be something you guys would like. So here they are, like away." And so he sent us a link over to there's an uh, Imgur uh, gallery of six uh, comics, basically like you know out of magazines or whatever, and mm -hmm. they all just have you know, Space Invaders era video game themes to them. So pretty funny stuff. I will not 
spoil any of the jokes, I will put a link in the show notes. So um, as Donna said, that's a rabbit hole you guys can go down. And I enjoyed them, and now you can enjoy them too. That's all the, the feedback I have listed because, again, I don't have email. But I have news. Remember, we sometimes talk about news. We could talk about news. Well, we can't talk about it until after it happens, though. But this – oh, okay. Well, one of them is happening right now, so we can talk about the first oh, half okay. of it. Okay. Oh, sure. Okay, so John Salter is going for an armor attack world record as we oh, right. speak. Mm-hmm. As, so as of this recording, I just checked out. It. It's over on Twitch TV. So Twitch TV uh, slash John Salter, or again, go to the show notes. Uh, so as of right now, he's been playing armor attack for almost 56 hours, maybe over 56 hours now, because that was about half an hour ago I checked. Um, his current score, when I looked, was something like 35 rollovers times 40, and, and with like, I think a rollover is at 40,960, and he had just hit the 35th or 36th rollover. <laughs> so, and it was funny, when I tuned in, he was playing, and then just sort of his, his helicopter swooping around, really not doing anything. I was like, why? And then he just turned away from the screen and started typing on something. I guess he can put it in some sort of loop going, and that's how you can, I guess, get the game playing this long, because he was... He was tweeting about it or, or responding to the to the chat, which is pretty funny. It's like I'm playing a game, I'll just you know turn away from the game. Like, wow, you're pretty good. He's like it's like watching Fonzie play these things. So <laughs> it was pretty cool. Nice. That's happening right now. Um, and also a neat little thing: a company called Wave uh, exhibited at the Japan Model Hobby Show a couple of weeks ago, and they announced that they're going to be releasing scale little scale models of classic Sega arcade games. And so there was a picture of one of them that had their sort of carved out to show the shape of the model. A little tiny thing, like maybe 10 centimeters or so. And they had a, a hang-on, a little Sega hang-on. And so I'll have a, a link in the show notes to a Twitter, a person on Twitter took the photo and they put it up on, on Twitter. So I'll link to them. And uh, like I think it was Sega Nerds or something found it. So that's kind of cool. But then I tried to research about that. I looked around and I couldn't find any other news that wasn't in Japanese. But it did lead me to a, a different line. I guess back in 2010, originally announced in 2009, but it came out in 2010, there was a company called Organic that put out a line of licensed miniature arcade models already. So there was Space Harrier, Super Hang-On, Outrun, and Thunderblade. So they already existed before in a series called the Sega Tycoon Toys. Um, and most of the info I could find about that was in various non-English languages as well from Europe. So I've, there's one site hobbymedia.it that has a good write-up in Italian, but with lots of photos. So I guess I'll link to that one so you can see photos of the old models, and, and I'll link to the Twitter one so you can see photos of the upcoming new ones. I look forward to seeing them. Well, look in the show notes. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. Okay, well, I guess that brings us to this week's game, which um, is a Bally Midway game that was released in 1982 called Domino Man. Was it 82? I thought it was 83. I oh. saw 82 and I've seen 83. So maybe there were, you know, like 82 in J- Japan, 83 in the U.S. I'm not sure. 83 in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so it was developed by Marvin Glass. Well, Marvin Glass and Associates. Yeah, and they've done um, some other stuff. We've talked about them before. Well, they did Tapper and Timber when it comes to arcade games. But they did lots of, like, home games. Rock'em Sock'em Robots and they mm-hmm. developed Light Bright. The Evil Knievel Stunt Cycle. I spent a lot of this week reading about uh, old Marvin Glass stuff. Yeah, they had a lot of cool toys. Um, there's a there's a neat site. Well, it's basically just a web single web page at marvinglass.com. And you think that would be like a, a bigger site or an official thing or something. And it's just, it's this, uh, it's like called Recollections of Working at the Marvin Glass Studio. It's, so it's a fellow who worked there 
back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, I guess. And he, or she, I'm not really sure who the person is, writes about the experience and sort of debunks a couple of the myths. But he talks about how, and this is something I didn't know, I guess at the Marvin Glass studio in the, in the 70s, and in, I think at the beginning of the late 60s and into the mid-70s, there was this big, they sort of really hyped up the security. That it was like crazy security. And that was part of their marketing was they'd come up with these games, but they would market the fact that while they were under development, the security was an insanely tight. And that was a big part of their press releases that like every night all the, all the models would have to be locked away. And they had this giant safe with a massive massive door on it and everything would have to be locked away there and in fact in the main building it was double walled there was the actual building then there was like basically another building inside that wow. and that was to stop people from across the street being able to use like parabolic microphones and listen to things through the windows like it was basically just for show because the guy said the across the street was like a church or something but it was all about like the the the, the mystique of the marvin glass studio and they they hyped up the security stuff so it was fun to read about that so i'll have that link in the show notes because it was pretty cool site to read about yeah, the game itself was designed by Marvin Glass, and it was programmed by Richard Ditton and Elaine Ditton. I assume they were either married or brother and sister. And graphics were done by Scott Morrison. Oh, the graphics, speaking of graphics, the same, it's the character from the other games. Like, the, the Tapper guy is the same guy here, and the, the woodchopper from Timber. And that character and, and all of its incarnations across their games is based on a Marvin Glass employee named Mike Ferris, who had that mustache and bald head and always wore a red T-shirt. So I'm going to call him Mike. So your object is Mike is setting up dominoes in the same way that, like not playing a game of dominoes, but the thing where you stack them all in a line and then push one over and they all fall down. So that kind of dominoes. And they're giant and there's a bunch of dots on the ground that form like a little path and you walk around free, free walking in this, this level there's various enemies about, which I guess we'll talk about. But the object is as you come near a dot, you can you can set up a domino on the dot. And once you complete the whole line, you have finished the level. And we'll talk about the neat things that kind of happen at the end of finishing the level. Uh, it's made more difficult because there's lots of different enemies. There's like a bee and this big bully and and uh, like a dog at some point, a cleaning lady, like all these various things moving around the level. And they can bump into your dominoes and knock them over. So the object is to be sort of strategic, to leave gaps, I guess, so that if something gets knocked over, it doesn't take out your whole line. Because the dominoes always start with the first one on the farthest left being already set up. And if that one gets knocked over, then you lose. So for the most part, I started my strategy by usually building from the right keeping away from that left domino because I was sort of afraid of it. And then once you finish the whole line, if you finish the whole line, then you go on to the next level. Yeah. So it's like you said, it's a very strange game at first and especially getting used to the controls is weird because uh, you have one button, it's called the SWAT button and it's an eight way joystick, but depending on what the joystick is doing and what your, what, what Mike is, how Mike is moving around the screen at the time, determines what happens when you hit the spot button. So um, these little bee things will fly at you and, and there's a, uh, this guy in a car that comes and tries to knock your dominoes down. And, and I think there's a big bully that shows up at one point. And, um, um, if you, so if you're trying to swat the fly, for example, you need to, the joystick needs to be centered and you need to be close to the fly when you hit it. And, and, but, if you're moving, he won't swat the fly. And it, it, it was very frustrating at first until I kind of read. And the instructions, of course, are, are on the 
um, the, the the glass art around the screen. Which know, we so. assume the Broken Token guys will send to us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so. That's now precedent, right? Like every time we want to talk about a game, like I would assume by the next show that envelopes will show up. <laughs> they better. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my fault, I guess, for, for not immediately reading, but uh, sort of frustrating and weird at first. And then once I got it, I, I kind of got into the rhythm of the game and I uh, really kind of enjoyed it. It's, it's certainly a unique gameplay mechanic i don't know that there's a whole lot like that um but yeah i had a fun, i had a fun time i think mm-hmm. still still kind of trying to recover from the trauma of, of vegas battle so i think you mean vegas this, battle <laughs> yeah so i think anything at this point i would probably call an awesome game but i wouldn't yeah. call this awesome but i definitely had fun playing it and i agree though that at first it seemed weirdly complicated for something that's so simple a single joystick and a single button you would think this must be a simple mechanic, but it felt complicated because like you say, like whether you're putting down a domino or if you're doing the swatting thing, you can also push characters like you run up to you can because they'll, they'll move either vertically or horizontally. Like the there's the ice cream man who seems to always move horizontally. And then there's the uh, some people like the golf cart does the same thing. But then there's like the actual golfer and the golfer moves diagonally. And then there's like. I think there was a like there was a dog that walks all over the place. So different things will sometimes be a vertical or horizontal thing. Sometimes they they reverse. Sometimes they're on different patterns. But you can push them. So like that's part of your defense is if you've got something that's walking on a horizontal line, you can shove them either right off screen or I found better yet, just sort of shove them so that line they're walking isn't going to interrupt any of your dominoes. But you're taking time to do that because there's also this clock we haven't talked about. I mean, the game has a lot going on in it. There's a clock that will start like in the top right and walks around the screen. And if it gets to that first domino, it's sort of like acting like a timer. So if it gets to the, that first domino on the far left, that ends the, the, the level as well and you lose. So you're under a bit of a time constraint. At the same time, you're trying to keep your dominoes up and, and finish that line, but maybe leave gaps almost like fire breaks in the dominoes. And at the same time, be pushing enemies away or swatting that bee. And if you swat it, then a bunch of money appears. You can grab the money. I mean, there's like the guy in the jackhammer who's slow but crazy random and looks like the hard hat Mac guy. Like there's just <laughs> at first it's not a lot going on screen, but it's a little complicated in their motion. But by but you get to like level four or five and there's a ton of stuff on screen all moving and it just it felt more complicated than I think it should be. And yet I didn't feel overwhelmed or annoyed that all this stuff was going on. Um, I did at first, you know, like I said, the figuring out the. Uh, how to, I guess, defend myself against the bee and and um, and these other obstacles was frustrating at first, but once I did, I, I really enjoyed it. And for me, having all that going on on the screen was sort of a, kind of an adrenaline thing that really allowed me to get pulled into the game. I, I had a good time. Um, the the music uh, was what is it, um, Maple Leaf Rag? I think that yeah, was playing. Some, uh, yeah, ragtime music. Which, the music I thought sounded good, but it plays over and over and over. Yeah, so it's it gets, nice, but it gets old. It gets very repetitive, and it's not. I, and I don't know what I, I I think would be a better fit, but it didn't seem to sort of mesh with the game that well. I found um, the music ended up being really good when I turned off the game's music and started listening <laughs> to actual music. Yeah, well, there <laughs> then is I that, found it was yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah, it might it's be just, cheating too, a little bit. It's too there. repetitive. The sounds good, and the sounds add a lot to the frantic nature of it because when the, when they're knocking over the dominoes, it's quite a high pitched sort of sound, and mm-hmm. it sounds like an alarm going off. And so there's a lot of that that you know sort of amps up the game. But the actual music, it was too repetitive for me. Like it was too little, a little tinny and very repetitive. So it, it got old quick. 
And if you're playing on MAME at home and you put headphones on, you'll notice that the, the music is actually in stereo. So the piano stuff sort of moves back and forth between the headphones and, and oh. in a somewhat annoying way. I did not notice that. I did yeah. notice that the game has, I don't know if it's bad sprite detection or whatever, but lots of times things would get knocked over and the sprite clearly did not touch my domino. Yeah. That happened a lot and it was really bugging me. And I don't know if that's an emulation issue or what. But there is a lot. And in the game, that's all about like small touches knocking over your domino. The collision detection is a very important element of the mechanic. <laughs> so it's like, come on, guys. That, that should be pitch perfect. So I'm not sure why, but that, that was, it was particularly bad. And also, also lots of other times, things would clearly touch a domino and not knock them over. So sometimes it works in your favor. But that I found, that was sloppy. I do like the game, absolutely, and I enjoyed playing it. But there's some sloppy elements when it comes to the can, the collision detection yeah it feels like maybe if they'd uh spent a little time sort of polishing and, and fixing little details and maybe writing a some, second song <laughs> adding some more music or something uh it would have been a lot better i didn't hate it again i don't know yeah I, I liked it too yeah no i well, don't want to come across more negative like i actually enjoyed playing it this week well I, like i said i don't know that i would hate anything this week um but <laughs> you know it, it was fun we had two and, weeks with vegas <laughs> battle man uh, we're recovering yeah, it was, and we picked the worst week to take a week Plus off this too. one this one gives you a poem it gives you a little poem a rose is a, a red poem at the end which i That's, really liked and, and i guess you get a different poem depending on how many dominoes you set up yeah the, the poem changes and, and i thought that was fun in fact occasionally i i played and i did really poorly just to see like what's the worst poem and i guess if you it turns out i found if you get anywhere from nine down to zero domino setup, you get the same poem. So you get the roses are red and need lots of water with only, say, only one up. You just blew a quarter. <laughs> so that's like the worst poem you can get. But then it, it goes in tears. Like I'll do one and, and, and it's so and I don't think it's random. I think it is set based on the number of dominoes you set up. But since there's so many different scores you can get, you can set up like you know hundreds, probably thousands of dominoes. There's probably a lot of different poems. And so I really like that element that at the very end of your game, you're rewarded with like a little, a little poem to like send you on your way. And some of them are kind of funny. So I dug that a lot. Yeah, definitely worth checking the game out if you've not played it before. I don't know that I'll return to it anytime soon, but. Um... Oh, and I liked the, the sort of the gambling that goes on. We didn't talk about that. So you're, the goal is you're going to set up these dominoes. So let's say the level has 25 squares and you set up your 25 dominoes. And at the end of the level, if you're successful, your your little mustache man walks over to the rightmost dominoes and rightmost domino, and you're given an opportunity. You can either push them over, and you'll get points for every domino, or you cannot push them over and sort of gamble them and go on to the next level with those already set up. If you complete the next level, then when you say if you choose to push them over, it knocks over all the dominoes from your next level and then just continues to the dominoes from that previous level. And you can go level after level after level, sort of building up this bonus. And so you'll get 100 points per domino if you just did the one level. But if you don't knock them over, now you're going to get 200 points of domino for both the next level and the previous level, provided you're successful. If you fail, though, then you lose all the points you could have had for the previous level. So it gets to be a gamble. And some levels are much more difficult than others. So I would come to the end of a level and think, is the next one an easy one or a hard one? And it seems to be they go in threes. Like, as far as I can tell, there's a bit of a pattern. Like, so the, the first level is the city background. And that background seems to come up every third time. And that's the easiest of the levels. It seems to have the fewest 
enemies. Then there's the golf course background next, and then the construction background. And the construction background is the super, super, super hard one because you get a lot more diagonal enemies and they're harder block. And oh my gosh, I would always die on like on the third or the sixth level. And then by the fourth level, it's kind of going back to the city background, so it gets a bit easier again. So I'd often have to think, okay, if I'm on this, if I'm on the construction background and I finish it, then don't knock over the dominoes because if you can do that level, you you should be able to do the next one, which is the city background. And it'll be easier and you'll double your bonus. So there's all this sort of gambling strategy that goes <laughs> on them, which is, again, a neat element. Like there's a, there's a lot of different elements to this game. No, I like that because it, it definitely make, adds some depth there. And it, it's not just a defend your dominoes sort of thing. Defend your dominoes. There's, uh, there's more to it than that. And there's a lot of neat touches. And, and, you know, I just wish that there had been a little more polish and maybe some variation in the music. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Domino Man features a, a – it's, it's built on the Bally Midway MCR2 hardware. So that, that means it has a uh, Z80 CPU at 2.496 megahertz, uh, a sound CPU also uh, a Z80 at 2 megahertz, and then two AY8910 sound chips for the stereo sound also at, each at 2 megahertz. Uh, Two-player alternating, an eight-way joystick, and the single SWAT button. Carrington, tell me about the cabinet. It could be Tron. I just realized because it's the MCR2. That board stack is the same board stack as like Satan's Hollow and Tron. So it means you could put Tron ROMs in here. It wouldn't work because the joystick would be different. But technically, I think this this cabinet could play Tron. Or you could turn a Tron into a Domino Tron. <laughs> anyway, just, okay. just sort of thinking aloud. So cabinets really cool looking and super, super rare. There were three versions of them. There's the, the full-size upright. There's also a mini cabinet and a cocktail. The mini cabinet and the cocktail were kind of generic. So let's ignore those and talk about the big upright. So the big upright is your standard full-size monitor with one of those or sort of full-size cabinet with one of those inset monitors that leans back almost to the horizontal, kind of like the way a Pac-Man monitor does. If you think in those kind of cabinets where the, mm-hmm. where the monitor is set way back, same sort of thing. It's a, it's a black cabinet for Domino Man, though, and it's got half-height white side art, um, just the vinyl stick-on kind, not painted, but still kind of nice. At least it's something there. And the, the side art has the, the Domino big mustache man character and a big line of dominoes ready to be knocked over and it's got a nice colorful marquee on the top that's basically the same image as the side art but with a big purple domino man logo on it but really what sets the cabinet apart is it's got these vacuum formed like 3d big dominoes stuck on the front and that's really cool so when you see them it's got this this whole 3d element of dominoes on the front of the cabinet and that I mean, I hadn't seen anything like that. So I really like that. There's no reproductions of those available as far as I can tell. So, and it's very rare to find a cabinet with those intact. But if you're getting one, you want to look for those because that's something you can't replace. You can get, I I think maybe this, I know the control panel is definitely being reproduced and I don't think the side art is so, but that side art is not that hard to, to um, keep intact. But those, those vacuum formed dominoes on the front would easily have been chipped away and like often would not have survived being in an arcade in the eighties for a bunch of years. So that's what you want to look for if you're collecting one of these cabinets. It's got a, like you said, a single eight-way joystick in the center. So it's an ambidextrous cab. And it's got just the one button on each side, which is your SWAT button. And um, the other neat thing about it, which I only learned by reading through the instructions, and if you're playing in MAME, it's definitely something to play with, is like most games, it has dip switches where you can set things like at what score do you get free man or, or you know, what's the difficulty setting? Is this a cocktail cabinet or a regular cabinet? 
those sorts of things. All games have those. But this has a dip setting to to switch back and forth between Caucasian or African-American characters. Oh, my goodness. And I've never – no arcade game we have talked about has that. And I love that it does that. So I totally switched to that and played the African-American characters because, <laughs> like, that's awesome. So it's basically the same guy. Like, you see him in um, – not in Tapper, in uh, – uh, the Timber game. It's the same African-American version of the guy with the big mustache, but like right on for inclusion. So I really, really like that. More games should have that as a setting or at least let you choose when you're playing the game what you want. So I love that that was the case. I'm totally, if I had an arcade, I would be absolutely setting mine to that. So that was super fun. And I like that they did that. So go Marvin Glass. Totally not even aware that that was a thing. No one talks about it. I was reading the manual. I was like, what? What, do you, what, what is this? Is this what I think it is? And I switched to Drissing and yes, it is exactly what you think it is. So pretty cool. Huh. All right. Well, I guess it's that time of the hour. Karen. Time for scores. Mine was low. <laughs> so mm. I talked about how every third level is difficult. So it is unsurprising that the farthest I ever got was level six. Because <laughs> the game gets hard and I'm not really good at games. <laughs> so this is my whining. <laughs> so um, I would frequently, in fact, die by level three. <laughs> But if I found if I could get past level three, get past the hump of that difficult level, I could usually do level four and then I die on either level five or six. Best I did for the week was 62,208. It's one of those games where you can have a score end on like basically any number, it seems. So six, two, uh, wait, scroll back again. Six, two, two, zero, eight. What about you, Mike? How'd you do? I got further than you. Yay for me. And I Boo for you. you. You spelled yay. You spelled boo wrong. <laughs> I, I did better than you. So neener. Uh, I, I got to level nine, usually. Um, Holy cow. You're a good yeah. dude. I never got past level nine, though. Uh, and that got yeah, me, it's hard. It's weird how those th- every three levels is so much more difficult than the other ones. And that got me uh, 94,628 points. That is a lot of points. You yeah. destroyed me. Um, but we didn't come anywhere near the official world record. Uh, that was set what by. a shocker, because yeah, normally no we blow what? right past <laughs> We set all the world records. Uh, Donald Hayes set the world record uh, on August 1st, 2003 at 1,040,866 points. I was so close, because my points are in metric. Totally oh, more. I see. That's 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 the difference. Totally more. That's the it's, it's, uh, my score is in Celsius. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not accepting that. No. <laughs> I don't believe you. All right. Well, um, super fun. I recommend it. Like this was this was a good game. It's a neat looking cabinet. So it's one of those ones where I don't know if I like this game enough that it would make like a top ten list if I was had to only have a couple of cabinets. But if I was setting up like a larger arcade, it's one I'd want to include because it's different. It's it's fun. It's a game clearly of its time. Like it looks like an eighty two eighty three sort of game. Um, I like the sprites in it. I can live without the music, but at least the gameplay is different, and it's a cool-looking cabinet with those big vacuum-formed um, uh, dominoes on the front of it. So it would be one I would consider owning. Yep, and if you're limited on space and you or you, you just don't want to start that huge arcade yet and you, you haven't expanded your, your five-game uh, uh, maximum, this is probably not one that you actually need the cabinet for. It plays just fine in main because, yeah. as, as we said, it's, it's a button. Unless and, the collision detection is better on the regular one because I found well, that was bugging me. Well, I, I, maybe that's a possibility. I, I yeah. don't know. Like you said, these are these are really rare, I guess, and so um, I will not. I will not likely find out anytime soon. Nope, I dug it though. So, yeah. what are we going to dig next week? Um, well, we're going to dig this game right here, Carrington. So thank you uh, once again, everybody. Thanks especially to the Broken Token folks for sending over their awesome gifts. And, yeah, that was swell, guys. Thank and, you. Uh, 
and we will talk to everybody next week. Oh, hey, wait, before we go. I'm back. Uh, this was actually officially our two-year anniversary thing. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you beat me to it. Well, congratulations uh, to us. Two years, uh, not quite one every week. <laughs> we were so close. So close, yes. This, by so one. this is show 103, but it's it's officially two years. And, and See why we should celebrate 100, 103. Uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. I, I blew that. Then I blew this. Uh, but uh, thank you everyone so much for, for all your support. We've had a great time and we're going to keep doing this and hopefully you'll stick around and listen. Can't make me. <laughs> Bye everybody. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent by email to noquarter at monsterfeet.com, or you can find us on Facebook as No Quarter Podcast, and on Twitter, we are at No Quarter Show. You can also find us on both the Throwback Network and the Real Retro Junkies Network. All of these links, plus the show notes, are available at monsterfeet.com, and like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain. Kids, before you go, here's a little bonus to celebrate us reaching the two-year mark. It's a glimpse behind the scenes of what it's like to record No Quarter, which is, of course, a very professional podcast. Um, do you have the email from Todd Allendorf? Nope. Okay, I'll do that one then. Yeah, you do that one. It's the best one. It's actually complimentary. I think he meant to send it to you. Yeah, probably. Maybe you just don't understand it. <laughs> well, there's always that. <laughs> yeah, Donna sent this really good one about uh, Bill Murray's tongue twisters on a laser disc. It's pretty funny. I watched the tongue twisters. They made me laugh. Sent to you. Uh, was it? I don't know. I, I thought that was – no, it says gentlemen, so I think it's to both of us. Yeah, but look to who it was addressed to. I, I already – I pasted it into the show notes. I don't have email, so. <sighs> you jerk. I am a jerk. All right, whatever. But this is news to you? 103 episodes in or whatever. Well, that's true. <sighs> oh, wait. This – what episode number is this? I, I don't know. Is this – this might be our two-year show? This is our two-year show, but it's 103 because of that week we missed. Well, I missed. Well, but I'm sure we'll figure out a way to blame me for that. Oh, I already figured out. Anyway. <laughs> I'll just, I got a jar full of them. Oh, hey. Um, while I'm thinking about it. Think about uh, it. Do you have your thing to unpack? Oh, no, but I will in a second. Hold on. <laughs> Good memory, Mikey. Uh, oh, I'm still looking for it. That's right here somewhere. Smash! Oh, that's what it was. I can't Yay. actually hear you yet. I'm in front of the mic, but I have no headphones.
So you're talking. I'm ignoring you. Carrington really familiar. sucks. I can't stand okay, my I'm co-host. <laughs> I, I just really want to get rid of him. I hate this no quote. Oh, hi, Carrington. Hello. I found it. My place isn't that big. I feel like I'm like running around going, where, the, where could it be? Yes, yeah, so I, I heard things smashing and falling over. I, get, like, I figured I'd hear like a smashing like, glass and then like, oh, there it is. Glassy smashy. Uh, I also got this parts manual, but I don't know who sent it to me. So I wonder if I shouldn't talk about it. I want to say, someone said this to me. I'll wait. I'll do it for next show. You weren't supposed to tell Mike. Yes, that's probably what he wrote, actually. Don't tell Mike. Mike sucks. That's okay. We make plenty of fun of you on Open Apple. As you should. Actually, Quinn. Or closed Apple. Quinn did. She, she really. Well, that's because she knows me. I see. <laughs> to know me is to mock me. She's, she's... I know him. He's Canadian. I know how to get to him. Do I need to get something to open this? I don't know. I I like I split the tape on mine, and and um, so I that have, way I, I haven't have looked not. inside. But oh, you cheater! Let me see if I can. Uh, I'm gonna go grab a knife just so I have it handy. I'll be back in a We should, again. We should be recording this. <laughs> yeah. So, like I was saying, this this Carrington guy. I just I can't stand him. This whole okay. no quarter thing has become a huge pain in my ass. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you just do that the whole time I'm gone. You're a weirdo. Do what? <laughs> okay. I have uh whew. Okay, I've got a knife. Oops. Make sure I, what they are. I think it's I think it's my keys. I think so too. Yeah. Cool. Uh, let's see, make sure I have my um my EpiPen and uh, <laughs> my my, uh, my nerve gas. Um, solution here and taking my anthrax pills in case I should have scissors instead <laughs> oh boy <laughs> I can't even say it but hold on <laughs> I'll be right back you see folks this is what I'm talking about. He just with Carrington is just one thing after another. First, it's the knife, then it's the scissors, and I'm sure that he'll find some excuse when we're trying to open this damn thing to to screw that up and have to excuse himself again. And I just, oh, man, I'm back. Oh, he's back. Sorry, I hear you. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, I've got a knife. I've got a knife. You know, <laughs> scissors. I'm at, ready to go. At the end of the show, you should you should just. Because I have, I've got call recorder already going. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> you should, you should just um, um, like edit this part into like like bloopers at the end of the show where you just keep getting up and getting stuff. Let me get this. Let me get this. <laughs> Banging around in the background. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, I'm ready to go. Are you? Um, <laughs> I'm, sick of wait- I'm sick of waiting for you. <laughs> wait, no, I, I got to get up and get scissors. And... <laughs> well, I'm gonna record without you then.